You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on all the exciting new projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. Um, Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, glad you're with us for the first episode of 2018. We've got a lot of new, exciting Star Wars stuff to look forward to in this new year. And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. You ready for another six hours and 20 minute podcast episode or heck let's make it eight no. hours it's time what do you say? <laughs> no i am not ready for that <laughs> <laughs> um yes we're back with a new episode after our massive massive <laughs> last jedi review episode we we're just talking before uh we recorded saying how you know it doesn't feel like too long since our last episode but it's probably just because you know how long <laughs> our last one was but like you said we're in 2018 now and you know, more great Star Wars stuff that's, you know, just on the horizon to look forward to, even though The Last Jedi just seemed like it was only yesterday. We got a, the new movie for, you know, 2017, and now we're in 2018. Still seeing The Last Jedi, but already getting excited for what's down the pipe for Star Wars. So, yep, a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. Yeah, definitely going to be a lot of cool stuff to look forward to this year. We've got, you know, the rest of the final season of Rebels. Um, obviously, still lots more uh discussion and and dissection and stuff to have of the last jedi i'm sure um you know that's that's going to be something that is uh, not going to be gone from anybody's mind anytime soon i don't think um nope. you know we got han solo coming out this year um they're going to be starting production on episode nine i would assume sometime this year so um you know along with that we'll have all the uh like casting announcements and um, start of filming announcements and all that kind of stuff. And who knows, you know, probably some leaked images and stuff like that, set photos, um, along with whatever other surprises may be coming along the way. I hope at some point this year we get an announcement of what the next standalone movie is going to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, in 2020, so we can, uh, you know, put to bed all these rumors about, you know, is it, well, actually, pretty much the only thing anybody's talking about at this point is an Obi-Wan movie. So I'm like, yeah. just confirm it for us already. <laughs> That's what um, I was going to say. Like, we don't need a new announcement. Just confirm what we all want and hopefully know what's coming, <laughs> which is the Obi-Wan movie. Yeah. 
Um, and then who knows, you know, we may get some announcements about uh, new video games, uh, new animated series, like whatever's coming up after Rebels. Um, you know, lots of new stuff with Battlefront, I'm sure we're going to be getting as they uh, continue with the uh, the DLC seasons and um, all that fun stuff. So definitely going to be a lot to look forward to. Um, but before we get too wrapped up uh, in thinking about the future, um, let's talk a little bit more about The Last Jedi. Um, because even though we spent six and a half hours <laughs> talking about it on our last episode, there's still so much to discuss with this movie. Um, we're definitely not going to spend nearly as long talking about it this time. Um, but just coming back to it after that massive episode... Um, Tim, I'm just curious to see, like, how many times have you, let's, let's start with this. How many times have you seen it now? Um, and has your opinion of it changed at all? Have you noticed anything new on, you know, subsequent viewings, you know, kind of what's your, your feelings on The Last Jedi as it stands right now? Yeah. So since our last episode, when we recorded that one, I've seen it three times and I've only seen it one more time since then. So a total of four. I'll probably see it one more time because I know I have some, uh, more family who wants to see it again. <laughs> I've seen it with everyone I knew wanted to see it, but since they enjoyed it, they want to see it again. So I'm up for seeing it again. So I'll probably get one more viewing in, which we'll put up to five. But uh, right now, uh, after the fourth viewing, and I've said on our review show that on the after the third viewing, I was almost ready to say I love the movie. But now that I've seen it four times, I love the movie. I can definitively say that now. I just really enjoy it now. It's the stuff. I loved right away or the stuff I've come to love. I just enjoy more and more every time I see it. Everything on Octo with Luke and Ray, I just eat up. I can't get enough of that stuff. And it's all so good. And just, again, expanding the overall story of the saga, it's just in the mythology of Star Wars, it does a really great job of that. When I see it more and more, I just get that exciting feeling of, you know, seeing the stuff I love about Star Wars being expanded on and being driven into different directions. And even the stuff that, I still have a problem with it's just you know i'm at the point where okay yeah i'm accepting it it's there i might not enjoy it but it's you know it's not taken away from the majority of the stuff that i love in the actual film and which is the case in other star wars movie too you know not every single film is perfect where there's, there's going to be some stuff i don't like but it doesn't kill the overall experience and just really really loving what i'm seeing in the movie so yeah I imagine it's going to continue the more times I see that, not even just in the theaters, but once you get it on Blu-ray, the more I watch it, I'm sure I'm just going to come to appreciate it more and more. And what I got to say, too, um, not only not necessarily picking up new stuff, but just making more connections with the overall saga and other movies, seeing it multiple times and even on the last viewing. But besides that, another thing that was cool after seeing it a few times about maybe two weeks ago. Uh, we watched some of the prequels and even episode mainly episode one when I watched that just even that the very first episode of the saga you can make connections to the last Jedi and just really what Luke said you know about the Jedi and their downfall when he was telling Ray in episode eight just seeing you know seeing what he said play out in the Phantom Menace I mean we knew that already but you just get a new perspective once you watch the Phantom Menace again and then seeing Luke talk about that and knowing what he's talking about with all the stuff in the Jedi in the prequels and certain moments in the Phantom Menace. So just even going back and watching the old movies is cool and just getting new enjoyment out of the old films because of the last Jedi for what happens later down the line. So that's what I love about getting new star Wars movies. Uh, you just make the connections to different, different aspects of the saga when you rewatch the new movies and the old ones. So that's 
that's why I, I love it the more I see it because you just, you just get more out of it when you connect the dots in certain aspects of the story, which makes it the greatest story ever told. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just been a great experience ever since <laughs> that initial first viewing, which wasn't such a great experience. But since then, it's been, you know, nothing but, you know, going positive after that initial first viewing. So I'm really, really happy to say that now. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, you know, glad to hear you're enjoying it more and everything. I think for me, like, I don't know. I still love it, but I feel like I've also seen it four times now and I had seen it twice the first time we, we talked about it. Um, and I've seen it two more times since then. I don't think I've enjoyed it any time as much as I did the second time. Mm, um, and I kind of feel like that's been almost, uh, a a constant for me with all these new movies i feel like the second time is like always the best time to see it um at least in my experience um but man i don't know like i i still can't stop thinking about this movie and it's i almost feel like my opinions change on it like daily um (laughs) going from but i mean it's not like some days i love it some days i hate it it's like sometimes i some days i love it some days i like it a lot but maybe sympathize with a few more of the issues that people have and stuff Mm. um on the whole i i definitely will still say i loved it i i have not changed my mind on anything that i said i loved about it the first time um there's not anything that i said was good that i'm like actually no that's not so good um you know certain things like the canto bite storyline and stuff like that i can kind of understand like yeah i see why people you know don't love that like it's one of those things where like after seeing it four times now it's like okay, kind of been there, done that. Like, I don't hate it, but it's not sure. one of those exciting new aspects of a Star Wars movie that you can keep, like, pouring over. It's yeah. just, like... It's not the thing you look forward to seeing again the most when you yeah, go see it third it's, or fourth time. it's just kind of there. Um, the whole... The, the part with Finn and Rose at the end where she, like, saves him and then kisses him <laughs> as still the, bugs that that <laughs> still bugs me as much as it ever has maybe even more now because i'm just like you know after a few viewings it's like yeah i thought maybe i'd get over that and it's like nope nope still bugs me um <laughs> that's that's like your uh poe and uh hux exchange for me <laughs> i guess of the movie because that's the one that's still i can't get past when i watch the film <laughs> so, oh yeah see that one moments. i don't yeah that i don't have re- a problem with really um, but also just with, I mean, I think maybe just the overall sort of the, the tone and the feel and sort of what they did with it. I mean, it's a movie of, of big changes, um, that I sort of embraced at first, you know, just the fact that it was so different and I'm like, yeah, man, I love that, you know, they, they went in some bold new directions with this. And then it's like, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, do I really love this though? Um, and I think I do, but here's here's kind of the caveat. I think I said on our on our review episode for it that you know I hear a lot of people saying like, oh man, there's still so many unanswered questions going into episode nine, and like man, I can't wait to see what that brings. And the first couple times I saw episode eight, I was like, I'm not thinking about episode nine at all right now. Like this felt like it answered a lot of questions, like it kind of wrapped everything up neatly for me. And I was like, I just want to think about this and dissect it right now. And like, I don't care what happens in episode nine. Like I love this movie and you know, I'm not waiting for like a bunch of unanswered questions in episode nine. Um, and it's not so much that I have questions now that I'm wanting answers to, but it's more just sort of the overall question of like, where does the saga go from here? 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like this is, I, I've come to grips with the fact that this is a huge transition movie. Um, just, you know, obviously with the end of Luke Skywalker, with, um, you know, transitioning the Jedi into a new era and sort of the, Reb- the rebels and the Empire, essentially, um, into a new era, um, especially now with, like, Kylo Ren taking over as, as Supreme Leader and seeing where the Resistance is going to go from here with being, you know, like, 20 people on a ship, but we know they've got, like, you know, allies out in the Outer Rim and whatever. Like, it, it really feels like it's sort of paving the way for um, for a whole new story almost in episode nine. Um, but just the fact that this feels like such a, a sort of end of an era type movie and sort of a passing of the torch and transition to a new era of Star Wars. It's like, you know, I, I love the movie and I like that they made those bold choices. But then part of me is like, well, the fact that they're making this big switch like how much I end up loving this movie in the long run kind of depends on what that new era that they're transitioning to looks like. Sure, um, I can understand that. And so it's like, if I end up hating episode nine, then I'm going to kind of end up not liking episode eight for paving the way for us to get there. If that makes sense. No. Yeah. I follow you. I mean, yeah. Episode nine, it's going to be interesting. And I agree with you. We're, we're anxious to see it, but not because we have so many questions, but just, you know, what's going to happen to it, what's going to be the state of the saga once we see episode nine. And I'm really thinking it's going to be the end of the saga. And like I said before on our last episode about speculating beyond, you know, episodes 10, 11 and 12, I really think this is going to be it. And if we're going to get movies with Ray, Finn and Poe again later on, I don't, think it possibly might not be part of the main episode saga. It could be something else or referred to as something else. I really think nine is going to be, you know, the final episode of the Skywalker saga. And it might make sense to do that too, knowing that of course, depending on Kylo Ren, but another thing that's going to make episode nine so interesting is that just from a movie standpoint where it's all resting on the shoulders of these new characters and this new cast. Sure. Mark Hamill is probably going to, make an appearance as a force ghost as Luke in episode nine. We're all assuming that, but probably not in such a large role he played in eight. And, you know, of course, sadly, Carrie Fisher is not going to be able to, we're not going to see Leia in episode nine because of her death, which means, you know, it's all going to be on Daisy Ridley's shoulders, Adam drivers, Oscar Isaacs, and John Boyega to, you know, carry the legacy of star Wars, so to speak in a main saga film without the support of the original trilogy cast members with like I said, with the exception, probably a few scenes with Mark Hamill, but that's another big thing. I think going to episode nine, that's, you know, really fascinating to see how it's going to be not only from a story standpoint from the actual film, but just from the movie making side of things and how, you know, audiences and fans will react to that. As you said, this new era of star Wars, that's been, you know, at that episode eight paved the way for, and to see how it's all going to come to fruition. So I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, I'm really optimistic and confident that, JJ is going to, you know, deliver on, you know, making a satisfying conclusion to the story he started or helped start with episode seven and, you know, hopefully have it all wrap up and end the saga in a nice way that'll satisfy hopefully the majority of fans and not be as split as the last Jedi, the last Jedi was. But mm-hmm. so I'm definitely on the more optimistic side as far as what episode nine is going to bring. But I totally agree where you're just, 
you know, fascinated and just wondering where is, can it possibly go with how things are left. So that's the exciting part about it for me. Yeah, well, and let me just say, like, I'm not worried necessarily or, like, pessimistic about episode nine. Um, I'm not afraid that it's, you know, going to be terrible or that I'm not going to like where they're going with it or anything. It's just a big question mark for me right now. Like, I legitimately have no idea what it's going to look like. Aside from obviously still being the resistance versus the first order, but it's like how far in the future is it going to take place? Where are these characters going to be at? Um, is it really going to be, you know, the end of the Skywalker saga and it's just going to be like one big final battle between the resistance and the first order and the, you know, between Rey and Kylo and they'll kind of just leave it at that? Or is it going to be something that continues to pave the way for, you know, a new generation of stories and and uh, continuing on with these characters and stuff? Um and so it's just like, I don't know what that's going to look like right now. And again, not that I'm, you know, worried that it's going to be bad or that I, uh, you know, have no faith in J.J. Abrams or anything like that. Um, it's just that kind of is, I almost feel that as like a lingering question mark over episode eight for me right now. It's like we're transitioning into uncharted territory and I want to sort of chart that territory and, you know, sort of know where we're going with it. Um but that's that, what makes eight unique and still feels a little strange in some way. Like, like I said before, the final shot with the kid looking out to the stars and, you know, using the force to grab the broom. That just feels like a scene you would see at the end of the trilogy and setting up for possible expansions beyond that in future stories, not in the middle of a trilogy. That's right. why it seems, you know, episode one, episode nine has that, you know, big, you know, just wondering of how the story is, everything's going to play out with that, knowing that. They're already setting up for expansion beyond that. So, yeah, that's where I, I agree with you where it's at episode eight is definitely paving that way for it. Yeah, I think that's another thing that feels kind of weird to me right now. Like seven and eight don't feel like the first two parts of a trilogy. They feel like a two part story arc serving as a bridge between the original trilogy and like what could be a whole new trilogy. Um, yeah. But obviously, like, we're just going to have episode nine, at least to wrap up this trilogy, if not the whole saga. So uh, that's why I'm like, I have so many questions about, like, what sort of this all means for the future of Star Wars right now and what those future stories are going to look like. Um, but obviously, I mean, you know, I can't dwell on that too much right now. We're going to have to wait another two years to find that out. Um, and in the meantime, there is definitely still a lot to love about The Last Jedi. Um so let me ask you this. I'm I'm just curious to see if there's anything, any of your thoughts on it have changed. Like, and I don't remember even what you said for the last part or like on our last episode. But what's as of right now? What's your favorite scene in the movie? Well, favorite scene. I mean, the whole sequence of the throne room with Snow, Ray, and Kylo Ren. I just absolutely love. Still, that's the part that you know always, you know, gets me the most hyped when I'm seeing it. And no matter how many times. I've seen it, which is four, and how big the crowd is. Like the last time I seen it, it was, you know, it wasn't a full theater. It was just like maybe a handful of people. But every time Ray grabs that lightsaber when it's being pulled back after it sliced Snoke in half, someone always claps. It's just a crowd cheering moment. There was like maybe two people who did it the last time, but it still got clapped. It's just such a great moment that you know just gives you chills as a Star Wars fan when you see how it all plays out and just seeing it the more time i just love how you know it's light and dark fighting together you know mm -hmm. in this moment i just think thematically there's something so cool about that and just you know going back to what i said on the episode about 
where Kylo Ren and Rey came from for The Force Awakens and just the stuff they went through. One of my favorite scenes in The Force Awakens that I think is a little underrated, but I just love is, you know, the Force uh, mind confrontation they had in that where, you know, Kylo's trying to extract the map from Rey and she's fighting back. I love that sequence where there's hardly any dialogue, but Rey's pushing back and she gets into his head and just how that shocks him. And this, you know, from that going to the where they're fighting together, against Snoke's Praetorian Guards. I just, you know, thematically and with the character growth that is shown through there, it's just so, so good. And so that still remains my favorite sequence throughout the whole movie. And this, you know, how it starts, the fight, and then just afterwards with, you know, Ben trying to get Ray to join him and Ray trying to get uh, Ben, you know, to stop the First Order from firing on the Resistance and have him join her thinking she's turned him. I just love the whole dynamic that they had throughout that whole throne room sequence. But... Another scene that I've come to appreciate a little more making uh, some parallels to other moments of the saga is, you know, one of the moments I had a real big issue with the first time with Luke, you know, igniting his lightsaber, looking like he was going to kill Ben Solo. And one thing that I thought about seeing it this past time, which, you know, I didn't have the others, was how, you know, you mentioned too, and I just love that you made that point when we did our review episode, how it was like, him going against Darth Vader and Return of the Jedi when Vader, you know, said he would have Leia join the dark side. Luke just went off. You know, that made me feel a lot better about that sequence. But what I thought about now is how it parallels to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, how, you know, both Luke and Anakin were doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Anakin going to the dark side, Luke igniting his lightsaber, doing doing it for noble reasons. You know, Anakin did it to try to save Padme's life, and Luke was doing it to save the ones he loved and all that he built, thinking, even though, you know, that fleeting moment where Luke realized he shouldn't be doing it, and he had that temptation, uh, but he was doing it for a good cause, and Anakin the same way, but how both of their actions had big, big consequences, and how the things they were trying to, pr- to prevent ended up happening because of their actions, and that was something I always loved about Revenge of, Revenge of the Sith and Anakin's fall to the dark side of how it all happened because of him trying to prevent, you know, what he was afraid to uh, realize. And, you know, it ended up being his downfall and it ended up being Luke's downfall in the last Jedi. So I love that parallel between, you know, father and son there that I didn't necessarily think about the first few viewings, but the last time I really thought about that, you know, that's just awesome. You know, how, you know, it's really mirroring the mistakes that Anakin did, but it's coming from, you know, wanting to do something good and, you know, preserve the things that you love. And just that whole theme in Star Wars about that, it's just, I, that hit me more when I saw it the fourth time and just made me appreciate that sequence with Luke even more so. And, you know, I got to say now, everything with Luke, I'm pretty much all on board with. Any issues I've had that were lingering are pretty much gone. The only thing that still kind of bugs me is the lightsaber throw, but <laughs> I could I could still live with that even though I don't prefer it. <laughs> But pretty much everything they did with him, I mean, I'm really on board with as far as, you know, the actions of why he went in uh, to Octo to end the Jedi, the way he came back at the end, the way they handled his death, everything. I just think was just such a great arc for the character now. I just really come to appreciate it how I think that is, you know, the, I don't know, I'll say the right course because, you know, there's probably other story directions that they could have made with him that would have felt right too. But I just think it it definitely fits with the character, and it is a very satisfying ending, you know. To like I said before, the most 
iconic characters ever created in fiction and just to have his story conclude the way it did here i thought was done beautifully so yeah just the more i see it the more i appreciate luke's story and just how it parallels to you know other themes in the star wars saga namely anakin revenge of the sith which i think is awesome Mm -hmm. well you know it's interesting that you say that because i don't know why like ever since well i shouldn't say ever since i've seen the last jedi but like just i don't know the more i've thought about it just over the past couple weeks or so i've had like a craving for like prequel content and i've been re-watching clone wars episodes and i haven't mm-hmm. gotten around to it yet but like i really want to watch revenge of the sith again and it's kind of for some reason like making me nostalgic for like that era of star wars it could also be battlefront too because like <laughs> that doesn't hurt like but... somebody like when i die i want to be buried in an arc 170 like that's just ah <laughs> uh, i love I'll try to make that happen for you guys <laughs> <laughs> well thank you i i appreciate that um but um yeah, just like I don't know, like I I think I've uh, I've come to accept the last Jedi for what it is and I definitely appreciate the things that it does differently, but at the same time it's sort of making me like nostalgic for the things that I love about Star Wars that aren't in there, and that's mm-hmm. not really like a criticism on the last Jedi. Again, it's just kind of accepting like yeah, it didn't maybe have everything that the fans were looking for, but it like took some chances and did some new stuff, and that doesn't erase the previous seven movies like you know if you wanted it to be more like revenge of the sith go watch revenge of the sith because that's where you can get you know the stuff that you love about that movie um so but yeah it's weird like i don't know why i found myself thinking about revenge of the sith so much and and sort of craving that um that sort of whole era and that story and Anakin's downfall and everything. But I think one thing that I love about the prequels that I was sort of missing from The Last Jedi, and I've talked about this a little bit before, is just sort of the grand scope of it. And, um, you know, I I know one criticism that people have of the prequels is like all the political stuff and how it can be, you know, boring and there's too much setup and whatever. But one thing that I really appreciate about that is like, you see when you're focused on like just these individual characters like Anakin and Palpatine and stuff like you see the effects that their actions are having on the entire galaxy like on a on a galaxy wide scale when you see you know Anakin turning to the dark side and Palpatine you know overthrowing the Jedi and declaring in front of the whole senate that you know the republic is now an empire and like we've seen the different planets that a lot of these species come from and stuff it's like you get a sense of how far reaching and impactful these choices are um whereas i mean like i said before the last jedi feels like almost like it's in its own little microcosm like they say the first order is out there trying to conquer the galaxy but really all we see is just like two fleets chasing each other and they go to canto bite and then meanwhile luke and ray are off on octo like just by themselves and you i don't know like for me i didn't really get a sense of feeling like the the fate of the galaxy was at stake here um until that last shot where you see you know the kids talking about the legend of luke skywalker and you see like how much of an impact he has and that was really cool um and i think it's partially for that reason you know just talking about favorite scenes and stuff Um, I know, I think I said on the, on the last episode that my favorite scene in the whole movie was with Luke and Yoda. Um, and I still absolutely love that scene. Um, 
But uh, I don't know if I can say it's my number one favorite because the whole ending confrontation with Luke and Kylo Ren is right up there next to it for me. Um, Great, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, kind of like you were saying, I love the resolution to Luke's storyline. And even though, you know, the choice to sort of take him down that path of, of giving up and wanting to end the Jedi and stuff, like, isn't what a lot of people wanted. Like, I think the way just that they told that story was really well done and you know, made sense for the character and the way that he comes back from that. And at the very end, you know, finally embraces sort of picking that mantle back up of Luke Skywalker, Jedi master, a legend, and um, just watching him fight Kylo Ren and then hearing the kids talk about him at the end. It just always leaves me with a huge smile on my face when I leave the theater. Um, But man, just, you know, seeing him watch out, walk out there to face Kylo Ren, um, seeing him in, you know, the different Jedi robes with the blue lightsaber and everything. I'm like, at this point, I really, really hope that whatever whatever animated series we get after Star Wars Rebels, I'm like, please set it in between episode six and seven because I need more stories with that version of Luke Skywalker. Um, yeah, not with hope. the yeah, not with the blue lightsaber, obviously, because that wouldn't make sense. We like we don't know where that thing was that whole time. Um, well, it would make sense, but I still wouldn't mind it. <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm totally okay with the fact that in the Last Jedi we didn't get sort of that epic Jedi Master hero version of Luke that everybody wanted. Um, I mean, I like I said, I I think the the version of the story and the version of the character that we did see was fantastic and served the purpose that it needed to serve um and even you know mark hamill had tweeted and said um you know that he sort of regretted voicing all his uh his doubts about um like his doubts that he initially had about uh where ryan johnson wanted to take luke because i think the people that didn't like this movie kind of took that as a rallying cry like they're like oh well mark hamill was angry about this too so we'll you know rally behind him like if luke didn't like luke then i don't like luke either you know and it was almost like validation for them not liking it when it was exactly so blown out of proportion like that really annoyed me (laughs) yeah and mark hamill came out and said you know what i regret you know voicing those doubts and fears that i had because like i've come around now and realized how wonderful of a job ryan did and you know made a great movie and um and that's the thing that bugs me about that whole scenario. He said that way back, like even during celebration. Right. <laughs> so like it was already out there. It's like yeah. everyone was ignoring that that he said that afterwards. But even I mean, the thing that he specifically called out just recently, he said, um, you know, if Luke was just another benevolent Jedi master, like training his apprentice, like we've seen that before. And mm-hmm. I understand that it was, you know, sort of necessary for the story to have a different version of Luke that people weren't expecting and to, you know, challenge him and give him a way to grow and develop. Um, So I think for this movie, that was important. And obviously it was a a pivotal choice that they made. But now I'm like, okay, but I still really want to see those stories with, you know, heroic Jedi Master Luke in his prime. Um, And if we have a few episodes of an animated series where he doesn't really have any character development, but he's just running around, you know, kicking butt and you know, cutting down stormtroopers or he's off on adventures trying to, you know, find lost Jedi artifacts and stuff like that. Um, man, I would just eat that stuff up. And I think it would maybe satisfy some people who were hoping to see that in The Last Jedi and kind of fill that void and then maybe make them able to appreciate um, 
sort of just the fact that this is the end of Luke's story, whereas I think a lot of people wanted to see more of the in-between. Like, we just weren't ready for his story to end yet because this is the first time we're seeing him again in 30 years. Um, so anyway, all that said, um, you know, still love all the Luke Skywalker stuff, and I think that might be my favorite scene now. Um, but either way, I mean, those both of those two scenes that I loved, um, you know, both have Luke in them. But, you know, the Kylo showdown, the Yoda you know, moment, those are both, um, you know, some of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars now. Um, also love the moment where, um, you know, R2 shows him the hologram of Leia and, uh, you know, just some of those nostalgic throwbacks were really cool. Also, one thing that I picked up on the most recent time I saw the movie um, was something relating to Kylo Ren at the very end of the movie. And I had said before, um, you know how we talked about back with The Force Awakens when he kills Han Solo that a lot of people assumed like, oh, well, he's not coming back coming back from that. Like, mm. he's he's firmly on the dark side now. There's no redeeming him. And I was like, well, I don't know because he still seems like a conflicted character and like we don't know what the future holds. There's still two more movies in this trilogy. They could give him some kind of redemptive arc, which they kind of seem to be – at least trying to, you know, kind of hint at in this movie, like Ray thought that was possible. She thought she was going to turn him. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of go that way for the first half of the movie. Um, but then once he kills Snoke and teams up with Ray and has a chance to decide his own future, he chooses the dark side. And he's like, no, I'm going to take all this power for myself. Like, and, becomes the supreme leader of the first order and so i was thinking like okay well now he's definitely done like now he is the bad guy for episode nine like there's no redemption none of that like he's evil um and i still think that's probably the case but there was one small little thing at at the very end of the movie that made me go eh, well and it's when the first order invades the resistance base and, um, you know, he finds like Han Solo's dice on the floor and he has that last final mental connection with Ray and she shuts the door on him and flies away and he's left there kind of just crouched on the floor and the dice fade away in his hand. Um, and just the way that he's kind of hunched over there in his posture, like I read something into it this time that I hadn't noticed before and it just kind of read to me as like, He's finally reached his goal and achieved ultimate power, but just came to the realization that, you know, aside from just having power for himself, anything and anyone that he's ever cared about has left him. Like, Luke's gone, Han's gone, Leia's gone, Rey is gone. Like, he... I don't know, there was something about that where I'm like, man, he just seems so alone right there. And I wonder if that's going to have anything to do or, you know, is going to have any bearing going forward in episode nine. Like, is he just going to embrace, you know, oh, I'm I'm Kylo Ren now, I'm evil, I'm the master of the First Order, I'm doing my own thing. Or is there still a little bit of Ben Solo left in there that is maybe going to come back out? Um, um, that's interesting, but really good points that you're bringing back up. I always just assume, you know, but I think this symbolizes more what you're talking about. When Ray closes the door on the Falcon as he's looking on, I always just thought, you know, that's him kind of feeling, you know, maybe a little rejected or still a little, you know, betrayed that Ray didn't decide with him during the throne room sequence. But I think that's a great symbolic, you know, visualization of 
like you're saying that he is totally alone, which I didn't necessarily think about, but I think makes total sense. And I like that idea where he's finally like seeing Ray close the Falcon door on him is really symbolizing that everyone is gone from his life that, you know, either was close to him or had the potential to be close with, like you said, Han, Luke, Leia, and now Ray. So yeah, I, I didn't necessarily think about that, but I really like where you're going there and how it does, you know, feel that way for the character and that he is definitely alone. And, I don't know, maybe I have to look out for it when I see it again. Just, you know, the last shot of him, if it is kind of that, you know, makes you feel more sympathetic than maybe uh, I definitely did before. Because I didn't necessarily feel sympathetic for him there. But maybe it'll come across that now that you made those points. Because I definitely uh, do like where it could be that way for him. And that's what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's not like I felt sympathetic for him necessarily. I mean, it was just it was a really small thing. But, you know, because the first three times I saw it, I just thought like, oh, yeah, he's maybe disappointed that Ray left or whatever, or he's just sort of contemplating or he was just, you know, huddled there because he he picked those dice up and then they disappeared. And that's just kind of where he was. Yeah, Um, because we know how upset he gets when, you know, things don't go his way. And there he just, you know, silent and somber in that moment. But, yeah, there was just something about seeing it this last time where I was like, he looks kind of like sad and defeated right there like i don't know i i wonder how he's feeling about that so um yeah i i would be interested to see you know where that takes him moving forward um and obviously you know he's just gonna be you know a, a one of those characters that's gonna have a huge role in episode nine and it's probably gonna go through some big changes in between now and when we uh, pick up with the next movie so very excited to see all of that um but uh, let me ask you something real quick. Something sure. that's popped in my head. Uh, I was talking about this with our friend Paul Herman in one of our conversations of how, you know, this trilogy is about Ray and Kylo. And he was saying how Force Awakens really felt like Ray's movie. And this one is more of Kylo's movie, more so than Ray, even though, you know, it is still Ray's story in this. But I was curious if you felt that way because when he told me that, I, I did kind of know what he meant where this has maybe a little more substance for kylo and then maybe in nine it would kind of be something which we're expecting where really you know it's both of their story equally coming to a head where maybe you know we know it's going that way but maybe it'll have more of a feel where it's the culmination of the two stories meeting up and joining to the eventual outcome but did you feel at all that episode eight was more kylo's stories than ray not really except for maybe at the end um I mean, for most of the movie, it it pretty much felt like they were on equal ground in terms of, like, importance to the story. Maybe Ray a little bit more so, but um, like I was saying before, like, Kylo definitely feels like more of sort of an equal to her in these movies. Like, he's not sort of the overshadowing presence that Vader was in the original trilogy, where it's like you have your main heroes and then you just kind of have the bad guy looming over them that you don't really know much about, but, like, he's scary and evil and powerful and they're gonna have to fight him eventually like kylo ren could easily be you know in the shoes of you know ray or poe or whatever like he was he was one bad choice in his life away from you know he he could have just as easily been the protagonist of these movies Mm -hmm, you know if ben solo hadn't turned to the dark side um and, you know, he's still kind of similar in age. He's still developing in his power just as Ray is. Um, so, 
yeah, they, they definitely feel sort of more like, like equals. Um, and I don't think I would say like, like I was saying for the beginning part of the movie, at least I wouldn't say it felt more like Kylo's movie. Um, but you see just as much sort of, of an arc for him as you do for Ray, where like, it's like, is Ray going to turn to the dark side and join him? Is he going to turn back to the light side and join her? Um, but I think after their confrontation with the guards in, uh, you know, in, in Snoke's throne room, I feel like from that point on, it kind of does feel like more of Kylo's movie because that's when he seizes power for himself. You know, he, uh, you know, tells, uh, you know, he like forces, uh, force chokes Hux and is like, you know, the Supreme Leader is dead and Hux is like, long live the Supreme Leader. Um, Kylo takes over command of the entire First Order. You know, he's commanding their forces at the Battle of Crate and then he goes down and has the epic showdown with Luke while Rey is just in the Millennium Falcon, you know, blasting TIE fighters, which is cool to watch, but she definitely does not have sort of as big of a role in the story just for that, you know, final act as he does. Yep. Um, it's still a disappointment I have with the final sequence, I will say. Yeah, well, and I mean, I can sort of understand that, but in that sense, then Luke takes over as the main hero. Um, and I think that last act is just as much about resolving Luke's story as it is about, you know, whatever Ray or Kylo have going on. Um, so, I mean, I guess you could say just by virtue of that final act that like the final showdown of the movie is between Luke and Kylo and not Luke and Ray, that maybe it is more of his story, but at the same time, um, you know, when you have just that shot of Luke saying, you know, I will not be the last Jedi and you see Ray lifting the rocks, like, you know, even though she might not have as much screen time in that last half hour of the movie, like she's, her her presence is definitely felt there and it's sort of emphasizing her importance to the story moving forward and it's sort of a moment of like Luke passing on the torch to her so to speak um so yeah I don't know I mean they they definitely both felt almost equally important to this movie but I I don't know that I'd say one more so than the other um I mean maybe Kylo a little bit more if you really break it down like I was just talking about but I don't I wouldn't say this felt you know, definitively more like Kylo's movie than Ray's. Um, but I love the way that they play off of each other throughout the entire thing. I I mean, I love the yep. fact that we get just as much character development for the main hero as we do for the main villain. So that was cool. Yeah, the one other thing that kind of leans me toward thinking this is more of Kylo's movie is where, you know, the revelation we got of why he really went to the dark side with the mm-hmm. whole flashback was him seeing Luke with the lightsaber and that really setting him off. That to me was... Like the big revelation of the movie more so than Ray's parents being nobodies. That to me had much more substance and, you know, weight that, you know, where you felt the effects of that throughout the course and history of the galaxy in, in Star Wars. So to me, that's where I think just elevates him a little bit more in this movie as being the main character than Ray. But like you said, it's, you know, still great that they both had substantial arcs in this movie. And then, like I said, it came came to a head in the throne room sequence, but then I felt Ray kind of got pushed aside a little bit at the end, which was disappointing, but hopefully that just means we're, they're saving, you know, the best for last with episode nine with these two characters and they're, which should be, you know, the eventual 
final confrontation that they're going to have. So again, this leads to the, the excitement for the possibilities of episode nine, which especially for those characters is, you know, I think what most fans are anxious to see how it's all going to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even with those flashback sequences, I mean, I still love how that was done and how it revealed, you know, the whole backstory and everything. Um, and obviously like the revelation there was sort of about what led uh, or what was at least sort of the tipping point for Ben Solo turning to the dark side and becoming Kylo Ren. Um, But even that I felt like was just as important for Luke and Rey, um, at least for Luke, because not only is it telling you um, how Ben Solo became Kylo Ren, but it's also telling you why Luke is on this island and why he wants the Jedi Mm -hmm, to end. Um, And it's important to Rey because like, that's the answer she's been looking for. Like, aside from who her parents are, like, when she gets to the island and Luke tosses that lightsaber away, her whole mission is to find out, like, wait, what the heck is going on here? Like, why is Luke Skywalker not the Jedi hero I thought he was? And this is finally the answer to that question. Um, And so even though it's not, like, you know, Rey having a big impact on the events of the movie or, you know, on these events that have impacted the galaxy and stuff... Um, like we as the audience are sort of finding out about it through her journey to get answers to these questions and to, you know, sort of be able to further the story that way. So um, that almost felt like equally important to all three of those characters. But I love, you know, I, I love the dynamic between all three of them. I love the way that all that stuff got revealed. So, um, you know, regardless of whose story you want to call it, I thought the story was done really well. Um, That's and, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> At least all the the Jedi stuff and, you know, the stuff on Octo with Luke and Rey and Kylo, you know, Rose and Finn, they're they're off doing their own thing. But, um, yeah, overall, you know, still love the movie and I love that there's still, you know, a whole lot to chew on and discuss after the fact. Um, the other thing that I thought was cool, too, I, you know, I talked about it, um, you know, sort of making me nostalgic for, like, the prequels. Um, but even with... Like, The Force Awakens, I had watched... Like, I watched The Force Awakens the night before I saw uh, The Last Jedi for the first time. And I have to say, like, at least watching it that time, I felt like The Force Awakens had definitely kind of slipped down on my my list of, you know, favorite Star Wars movies. Really? Uh. Um, yeah, and, well, and not that I hate it now or anything. It's just you know, sort of the newness is worn off and, you know, I can see a little bit, you know, some of the, some more of the flaws in it and stuff. And I'm like, I mean, it just kind of sits somewhere in the middle for me. Um, I definitely think it's better than episodes one and two. Um, but you know, I, I think it might be under everything else, which is, again, it's not saying it's a bad movie because I love all the Star Wars movies, but, um, I don't know. I, I just felt sort of less in love with it than I used to be. Um, that said, I watched it again after seeing Last Jedi like three times or something. And just, again, the fact that The Last Jedi feels so different, um, watching The Force Awakens again and seeing, you know, just being reminded of like how similar it feels to the original trilogy. Like I kind of appreciated that more. It's like, you know, instead of feeling like it was just being a copycat of a new hope it's like oh you know after watching something that was like still star wars but like so different and going in such a new direction it almost is kind of comforting to watch something that is like so familiar and what we're used to um so i think you kind of have a an interesting dynamic like with those two movies back to back um in terms of just sort of how much they 
stay close to slash veer away from, um, you know, what we're used to and familiar with, uh, you know, from previous Star Wars movies. So, um, I don't know. I, I thought that was just kind of a little interesting dynamic. Like it, it in some ways made me appreciate the force awakens more. Um, and again, just sort of bringing out my love for things that I love about Star Wars that aren't in the last Jedi while also allowing me to, to appreciate, um, you know, new stuff that the last Jedi does differently. Um, and to just be like, well, this might not be the Star Wars that we're used to, but it's the Star Wars that we're going to have, um, you know, mo moving forward into the future. And, you know, you can love both. Totally. Yeah. I haven't seen the force awakens, uh, since I saw the last Jedi, I've seen a few scenes here or there, like some of my favorite moments just you know, to put it in context and, or a context to think of how it all fits with what I saw in the last Jedi. And, it definitely, you know, I don't know, appreciate it more, but I just get more enjoyment out of it, which is what I always hope for when I get a new Star Wars movie. Like I mentioned the the Force uh, mind sequence between Rey and Kylo, but even their lightsaber duel in The Force Awakens, I think is made even better by the events that we know happen in The Last Jedi and, just, and, and vice versa, knowing that makes the last sequence in The Last Jedi so amazing when you look back at um, her and Kylo's first fight and then you look at the throne room sequence so i just i just love the back and forth and which is what i love about star wars movies in general where it makes you appreciate different aspects and different moments from the saga once we get new films and just going back to what you said too about how the different feel of them that's what makes star wars great i mean you can they each have their own unique feel and yeah force awakens you know we can go through that whole thing about retreading stuff with a new hope but it does have its own its own identity too that you know stuff that's only in the force awakens and what makes that great and just how you can like you said if something's missing in one movie you can go to another movie and then go back to this one and that one it is so much that star wars has to offer in this grand story that makes it so great and it's continuing with the last jedi and just, you know making making me at least speaking for myself about appreciating a lot of the stuff i loved before it too so that's again I guess to wrap up what, <laughs> my feelings on seeing it four times, it just that's why I love it more when I see it. It just makes me appreciate the saga as a whole more and just what it's added to it. And that's why I keep getting enjoyment out of the story that I love so much, how it continues and just how it elevates the stories that came previously before it, which I have already loved. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing once we get new stories revealed with characters that we're familiar with and these new characters and just it's just great <laughs> i just can't help but think of how awesome it is when you know characters that we've known from the original trilogy and the prequels and then when you watch those old movies and you're thinking about the new characters with ray and kylo and finn and, and just how when you hear the characters or see characters from the previous movies interact with the characters or say the character's name, like just even the simple fact of Yoda saying the name Ray in Ben Solo, I just think that there's something really cool mm. about that. And when you like watch Phantom Menace and you're seeing Yoda before he even knows who Luke and Ray or Ben Solo is, I just love that history that Star Wars has that keeps on getting bigger and bigger. So yeah, that's you know, the more I'm getting out of episode eight the, as I watch it continuous times, I'm sure that will continue as I see it in the theaters, how many more times or when we finally get it on Blu-ray, which, you know, I'm sure I'll be going through a lot more. <laughs> just not even through the movie, but just picking certain scenes that I love so much and just watching those. That's what I like doing 
when a new Star Wars movie comes out on Blu-ray, especially now that uh, most I have them on digital where it's more convenient where I could go to one movie, watch a scene, immediately go to another movie, watch some scenes there and just, you know, watch all my favorite Star Wars moments in one sitting and just have it added by the newest release. So I'm definitely looking forward to that with uh, The Last Jedi because I know there's plenty of just sequences there that I'm going to be watching a lot more and then putting it in context with other things too. So that's going to be tons of fun. Yeah, definitely. Man, once I get that on Blu-ray, like I'll just be watching the Yoda scene, the throne room scene and the last half hour of the movie, you know, everything from the battle of crate till the end, um, just over and over again. Cause all that stuff is so good. Minus the Rose kissing Finn in the middle of the battle, but you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, just, you know, so much good stuff there. And, of course, we're talking about the Blu-ray. Um, there will not only be the movie to, you know, continue to uh, watch and enjoy and analyze and whatnot, but it sounds like we're going to be getting a pretty hefty amount of deleted scenes um, because they were doing an interview with Ryan Johnson. Like, this is back around the time the movie came out. We actually had this news story, like, we were going to talk about this on our last episode, and we ended up talking for six hours just about the movie itself, so we didn't even get to this. Um, but Ryan Johnson um, was talking to Collider and, uh, you know, talking about some stuff on the Blu-ray. Um, but he was saying, I think he said there's something like, you know, like a half hour's worth of scenes that they cut from the movie that's, like, yeah. ended up being some of his favorite scenes, like, stuff that he loved that they shot where the individual scenes were really good. Um, but he was just saying, like, just with any movie, um, you know, you always have to uh, kind of do what's best for the overall story. And, um, you know, the stuff that did get cut, you know, got cut for one reason or another that it just, you know, was the right decision for you know, the, the final version of the story and the movie that we got in theaters and, you know, trying to make that the best version of the story they could possibly tell. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of stuff that's going to be really cool to see. Um, so I can't wait to dive into that stuff and see, you know, maybe if there's more stuff that, uh, you know, fleshes out the movie even more and maybe gives some more insight into some of the characters and the history and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's always one thing that I love um, you know, going back and seeing on movies anyways. Um, but I feel like with The Force Awakens even, like, there weren't that many deleted scenes. And the ones that there were, it was just like, oh, you know, kind of cool that, you know, we could have seen this, that, or the other thing. So I don't want to get my hopes up too high with The Last Jedi and think that, like, we're going to get a whole lot of, like, substantial game-changing stuff in the deleted scenes. But it does sound like, you know, some pretty interesting and, uh, you know, a substantial amount of stuff that we might be getting once this comes out. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be getting my hopes up, like you said, but right now, I can't help but get excited or my hopes up for one sequence, uh, because I'm just going to read uh, one of the quotes from Ryan Johnson here in that Collider interview where he says um, that there's a, goes, there's a massive sequence on the island that we shot with Daisy and Mark, which is kind of an additional sort of trial slash test that she goes through that involves her and Mark, and then a big emotional scene between the two of them. I mean, it's big stuff. It's like actual real scenes. So that gets me pretty excited <laughs> about the potential of having something substantial uh, regarding Luke and Ray. Because, I mean, we talked about to death how much I love the Luke and Ray stuff on Octo and the fact that we potentially have another big moment with those two characters has me pretty excited to see what it is. And I'm kind of hoping it's maybe more with them, with Ray and Chewie telling Luke about Han's death. And remember how I was talking about in our last episode, how I felt that sequence looks like there was more to it where maybe 
he picked up to where you know there was part of it that was cut in the beginning and he picked up in the middle of that conversation so maybe it's more of that which i think would be great but also in regards to what he talked about the additional uh, trial and slash test that uh, ray goes on and they go into a little bit of that in the art book um which is where i believe she sees a fire go off and she's um I don't remember exactly how it plays out, but it's the scene in the trailer where you see her running on Octo mm-hmm. with the lightsaber ignited. It's like she's going to the village of the caretakers there, which, you know, Ryan Johnson also uh, talks about in this interview as well. How they kind of, and it's like a, they go to the caretaker village where they have this celebration, like the art book kind of hinted where it's like they have a celebration when, because there's a whole backstory with the caretakers where, you know, the female ones take care of the Jedi temples and they maintain it. And the male characters go off into sea, and they're hardly there on the island. But every once in a while, they come back to the island to bring back food, supplies, and stuff before they sail off again. And they kind of have a celebration once they return. So I think that's what that scene is going to be, where Ray goes off thinking there's trouble, but then she sees it's you know kind of a celebration amongst the caretakers. And I believe Chewie and R2 are there as well. So that should be interesting. I'm just real excited for all the new Octil stuff <laughs> that are going to be on the deleted scenes. But mm-hmm. I just have a feeling that that sequence that Ryan Johnson was talking about, the big emotional one with uh, Ray and Luke, I just have a feeling that I'm going to be saying, oh, I wish that was in the movie. <laughs> I think yeah. out of all the ones we're going to get, that might be the one where I think oh, it would have been cool if that was still in there. Yeah, well, especially any stuff on Octo, like I would have been fine with them leaving in the movie. I said a bunch of times like before the movie came out, it could be two hours of just Ray and Luke and I would be okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see all that stuff, too, especially, you know, you're talking about um, where he says, you know, there's an additional sort of trial or test that she goes through. If you think about it in the movie, Luke says, you know, I'm going to give you three lessons and I'll teach you the way Mm -hmm. of the Jedi and why they have to end. He only gives her two of those lessons before she finds out, you know, the history of uh, Kylo Ren and confronts him about it. And they, you know, have their little fight and then she leaves. Um and I always just assumed like, oh, that was kind of the way it was supposed to go, that she, you know, that that happened after only two of the tests and that, you know, they just didn't intend for them to get to the third one. But, hey, maybe they filmed that third one and it was, you know, they just couldn't fit it in there somewhere. Um, so very excited to see what that ends up being, too. Yeah. And then they mentioned about, you know, there's more stuff with Finn and Rose and DJ on the Supremacy Star Destroyer, which, you know, I have a that's one I'm not too excited about. It says like kind of there's more what, antics or, you know, something to where there's more, I don't want to say like comedy or jokes, but at least a little more, you know, stuff that ha- eventful stuff that happens to them as they make their way to the, you know, reactor. But I have a feeling that might be a scene that plays similar to that. I'm calling it an awkward scene that was cut in the force awakens where Maz, Finn and Han are trying to make their way out of the, her basement and they confront the store troopers and Han's telling, like, pronouncing Snoke's name wrong and all that. To me, that just felt way off. <laughs> like, I could definitely see why that was cut. I have a feeling if it, some of those, they try to make this sequence with Rose, Finn, and DJ a little more lighthearted, it can maybe ache into that moment <laughs> that was cut in The Force Awakens. So well, we'll see about that one, but I have a feeling that I'll be able to see why that sequence was cut once I see that one. Yeah, well, and I think I remember reading something like some leaked rumors and reports and stuff about scenes like back before the movie came out, obviously. And there was something about um, like some, like when they sneak into the the first order ship and there being some stormtroopers who 
like recognized Finn because they had trained with him, but like they didn't know that he had defected to the resistance. And so they were like mm. congratulating yeah, him maybe. on being promoted to an officer or something like that. So maybe that could be, you know, that could be some of that stuff. Um, cause he talks about, um, where was, it? oh yeah, he said, and there's this incursion on Snoke's ship. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was cut out of that with Rose and DJ and Finn and some of it is particularly fun. So, um, yeah, it could be some fun stuff with those guys as well. Um, but man, I, yeah, hopefully we'll get a lot of substantial stuff. Although, you know, unfortunately, like they're probably going to release some of it on the first Blu-ray and then some of it's going to be like on the extended collector's edition that comes out later um even though with like the force awakens jj abrams was like no they're not going to do that and then they did that um because disney's got to make their bucks but you know yeah the commentary track will probably be on the next release (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i really can't wait to hear the commentary for this movie even more so probably than jj's force awakens one because there's like we talked about so much stuff that i is dying to hear what Ryan Johnson was thinking as he was making the movie. So that should be really cool. Oh yeah. Track, yeah, for sure. Um, and then also um, there was an episode of the star Wars show that just came out this week, um, like a half hour long special where they talk about like secrets explained to the last Jedi and um, you know, Andy Gutierrez from the star Wars show sit down with uh, Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo from uh, the story group and also uh, Matt Martin and Rain Roberts from Lucasfilm, and they were just talking about um, a lot of different you know, Easter eggs and cameos and all kinds of fun stuff from the movie. So um, if you guys haven't checked that out yet, that was pretty cool. Um, I think we picked up on some of that stuff like that we talked about in our last episode, like the fact that that compass that Luke has is the same one that he picks up in that mission in Battlefront. Um, yeah. But they talked about like, you know, they had Dave Filoni sketch that and they like 3D printed it from his sketch and made it in like a day because Ryan Johnson was, you know, just happened to be filming that scene like a week after when they were like writing it for Battlefront. And it's really cool to see kind of the behind the scenes collaboration and how all that kind of stuff comes together and how they're able to work it out like that. Um, yeah, that was probably my favorite new fact out of that whole video is that Dave designed that yeah. compass and it was so quick, you know, like you said, just the you know, collaboration interaction that him and Ryan Johnson had throughout the movie. And that was something we're going through the art book too, which is really cool that how, you know, Dave Filoni wasn't fully involved in the movie. He has his own projects to work on, but more so than I thought he would be where he's like, he was in some meetings in the early stages of production with it. So it is like when Dave's involved with anything in Star Wars, that gets me excited because, you know, (laughs) he's, you know, the master when it comes to Star Wars, in my opinion, other than George Lucas. So anytime mm-hmm. he has his hands in anything, it's going to be for the best. I 100% agree with you there. Um, so, yeah, definitely, you know, like I said, check that episode out um, if you want to see some cool sort of behind the scenes tidbits on The Last Jedi and uh, some of the cool stuff that's in there. It was just um, cool to see some clips from the movie, too. Well, <laughs> this at home, yeah. not actually in the theater. This made you... It made me not only want to see the movie again, but just can't wait to get it on Blu-ray and just, you know, watch these scenes over and over again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You got the, um, they had the scene in there of Haldo, you know, ramming the ship through light speed. Um, a brief shot of the Luke and Kylo confrontation, which, you know, man, just the imagery so from that good. scene is yep. just mind-blowing and amazing. And I want it on a poster, like, right now. Yeah, I just um, had to screen grab it, and then I sent the tweet out just saying, simply beautiful, because that's what it is. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Yeah, I think I might have to steal that and make it, you know, background wallpaper or something like that. Um, 
because yeah man that's another thing about this movie like it still every time is just like man this is a gorgeous movie that they made um with you know just some of my favorite visuals in all of star wars so we'll never stop loving that about it well that's for sure um and you know what while we're on the subject of the last jedi i know we usually save our uh, listener responses and stuff for the end but you did a bunch of uh twitter polls um recently just asking people like what some of their favorite moments and stuff were from Mm -hmm. the movie now that you know everybody's had a chance to see it and stuff so let's go over that stuff like while we're kind of wrapping up talking about the last jedi here before we move on to some of our other stuff yeah sounds good so yeah i did about three polls the three different topics on the last jedi so the first one i put up on twitter was you know favorite scene from the movie you had the opening space battle luke and yoda ray and kylo and snoke's throne room and then Luke faces Kylo Ren. I got to say, the only problem with these polls is that Twitter doesn't give you more than four <laughs> as choices because I could easily put more on all these uh, polls mm-hmm. that I put up. So, um, but for the ones we've had, and then other some of the followers on Twitter responded with some choices that weren't on there. But for the ones that were here, um, opening space battle got eight percent for favorite scene, and then sixteen percent was for Luke and Yoda. 24% was Luke faces Kylo Ren, and then a whopping 52% Ray and Kylo Ren's throne room scene. So, a lot of people had the same feelings I had about that one. Wow, <laughs> that's just such an amazing, amazing moment. But in response to that poll, uh, we got um, a message from Dennis at z 0 on Twitter. He says, I'd like to petition to have the Ray sends a giant rock smashing into the caretaker cart scene added to your <laughs> list of choices. <laughs> Which I probably would have put if I had more, like around 10 or so. I think maybe I would have put that one on there. (laughs) But then uh, Boss's Bounty at Boss's Bounty says, Luke and R2, and then at Marvel Trooper agrees, saying the cheap shot. Yeah, that would probably be the next one I'd put on there if I had the choice of five. Like we talked about, that was such an an emotional scene as well that had a big impact. So Mm -hmm. that was definitely a great choice. Yeah, I think you got to have, you know the the cheap shot um holdo you know sacrificing yourself yep. and the the whole light speed explosion thing um the battle of crate um you know just with uh chewy and the porgs flying the falcon through the center of crate with you know ray shooting the tie fighters behind him and stuff i mean man just the more we talk about this i'm like yeah i loved a lot of scenes in that movie yeah <laughs> it just makes you want to see it again too mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's happening to me right now <laughs> oh yeah for sure and then the next one I put up was, who are your favorite character duos in The Last Jedi? And I figured I'd make it duo since, you know, first of all, like, yeah, not enough choices, but a lot of characters were paired up together in this film. And that's what, you know, made it great. So the choices were Ray and Luke, Ray and Kylo Ren, Finn and Rose, and Poe and Leia. So both coming in at 7% were Finn and Rose and Poe and Leia. And then 29% was Ray and Luke. And winning the poll was 57% of Ray and Kylo Ren. So I kind of figured Ray and Kylo Ren and Ray and Luke would be the top two, but I didn't think Ray and Kylo Ren would be that far ahead of it. But, you know, it's, I'm not surprised too much, but because of how great, as we talked about, their dynamic was. But again, so was Luke and Ray's dynamic. So yeah, it's all, wrong it, it's all you shippers out there that want to see Ray <laughs> get together with shirtless Ben Swolo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if I could have one nitpick, the whole Kylo Ren internet challenge. Yeah, I could <laughs> <do that. laughs> That's your one nitpick with the movie. Not even that he showed up shirtless, but the fact that it spawned an internet challenge. Yeah. 
I don't need to see more people doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But then also chiming in on this uh, poll, uh, Ryan Bailey at Balls and Play says, uh, Poe and Leia need some more love in this poll. Poe has an amazing arc with actual growth in his leadership from accomplishing a mission to winning a war. Leia has clearly invested time and energy grooming Poe. Poe was Leia's political Padawan, and she gets to hand off to Poe at the end, which I totally agree with, Ryan. I thought that was one of the better arcs in the film, and I think it's going to have a big payoff in Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. But then he also says the best duo, by the way, is Luke and Yoda. Everything else is evidence of their discussion, which is a pretty fair point, I would say. That is true. You know, one thing I wanted to point out, too, about the uh, the Poe and Leia dynamic um, because that's one criticism that I see, still hear people making about the movie that I just can't get on board with is the whole Poe and Admiral Holdo mm-hmm. um, confrontation where they're like, you know what, the movie would have been, you know, things would have been so much easier if Holdo would have just told them the plan. And it seems like the whole reason she doesn't is just so they can keep the audience in the dark and it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yeah, but like the fact, I, I think the, the stage is set for that storyline by the fact that Poe makes his rash decision at the beginning and loses, you know, their whole bomber fleet. And Holdo basically decides, I don't like you. You can sit this one out. Like, let me make the decisions and, you know, try not to, like, blow anything up in the meantime. Um, Yeah. Like, sure, she could have let him in on the plan. But I think just by the fact that it was sort of sensitive in nature and the fact that he kept demanding answers from her, you know, I, I could see myself in her shoes being like, you know kind of pushing back against that right like she's not just gonna Mm -hmm. roll over and be like okay i'll tell you what you want to know it's like no like sit down shut up and don't get anybody else killed yeah and plus too she seems like she had experience with his type before because she even tells that sam like i know your type and she's probably you know had a situation where maybe she told someone like that their plan and you know turned and made a bad decision that she uh let someone like Poe in the past know and it had disastrous results or something like that. So it seems like she has history and experience with this type of person before. And that's why, you know, she's not going to tell him because of not only, you know, her past experience, but just what happened in the beginning of the movie and, you know, her not knowing Poe like Leia does. So it wouldn't make mm-hmm. sense that, you know, she wouldn't tell him that right away as well. So yeah, that's something I don't have a problem with. And not to mention the fact that, you know, she outranks him and <laughs> she doesn't have to tell him anyway. But. Yeah, I like Pablo Hidalgo made a Twitter poll and he was it was like, when does an admiral have to tell a captain her, you know, when is an admiral like obligated to tell a captain her plan? And the choices were like, um, you know, when she's a woman, when, you know, the audience wants answers to it or so there was all these ridiculous choices. And then like the last answer was like, oh, it turns out she doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I remember seeing that one because yeah, it's true. I agree. That's one of the, you know, nitpicks that I could easily have an answer for or it doesn't bother me at all, in the, you know, just in the story of the movie. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can kind of understand it a little bit. It's like, could that story maybe have been executed could a little have, bit better? Yeah. Like, sure. But, you know, just I don't know. I don't understand, like, all the hate towards that. I'm like, it makes sense enough for me to not, you know, just hang on that one point and nitpick over it. Totally agree. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the last two responses we got on that poll, uh, Jeffrey Fishbach at Jedi Fist says um, his favorite was Luke and Ray, without a doubt. And then <laughs> he sent a, a gif or a gif of the Luke slapping Ray with the tree branch as uh, <laughs> she's feeling the force. And, you know, it's not the best quality, but still seeing that moment again made me chuckle. <laughs> so, 
But then Dan at DG Stormtrooper says, uh, Porg and Porg was his favorite duo. So. <laughs> Wait, you're talking uh, about the was... sad one staring at the one on Chewie's uh, roasting stick? That's what I was thinking. That Porg and then the Porg on the Falcon. Unless that's the same Porg. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think it is. You know, it had that sad moment, but then, you know, got to be friends with Chewie and tagged along with them on the Falcon. Oh, well, no, that's why I'm thinking that's that's the duo is the sad one and the one that Chewie's going to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now it took a darker turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then the last poll I put up was for the music. So what was everyone's favorite track from this Last Jedi soundtrack? And the choices were The Rebellion is Reborn, which is you know the main new theme of Episode Eight that's played throughout the movie, The Battle of Crate, the spark and sacred jedi texts and this is another one where i wish i had more choices on but uh coming in with 10 percent was the sacred jedi text at 14 percent was the rebellion is reborn which i gotta say i wish got a little more votes because well, it's my favorite track and i love that new theme and then 24 percent was the battle of crate and 52 percent was the spark and the responses we got on there was from connor at rendar spire says either the main title and escape or fun with finn and rose and then Martin Elman at Dharmit Studio says, The Spark All the Way. Great melody between the Force theme, Luke and Leia, Han and Leia, and then Luke's approach to, op- to open the door is pure genius. And Paul J at JJ Farm 31 says, I love all those, but still my favorite is revisiting Snoke because anything but the Imperial March and Kylo's theme has my vote. And then Tom McClellan at Tom McClellan 24 says, The Spark with three crying emojis. So, yeah, it's Again, the Rebellion is Reborn or fin, Fun with Finn and Rose is my favorite because of that new theme, but it's a great soundtrack. Was, what I like about it is, you know, it has great new themes like the one I just mentioned, but in some of those tracks like The Spark and The Battle of Crate, it has new themes there too, but it incorporates some classic Star Wars themes that we all know and love that just makes those scenes better, especially in the case of The Spark, like Martin mentioned, where, you know, we got the Force theme, Luke and Leia's theme, Han and Leia's theme, it all, you know, comes together for this great emotional experience when you're seeing it and hearing the music. So, yeah, it was kind of hard <laughs> to pick amongst those tracks, which one was the absolute favorites, but the spark won out with 52%. Yeah, I think, man, it would be hard for me to pick between the spark and the sacred Jedi text because for both of those, they just have, you know, just that nostalgic pull to them that's just like, oh, man. Like, it, it kind of feels like cheating to pick either of those because... You know, they're basically just, you know, reorchestrated melodies of like themes from the original trilogy, but they're used in such yeah. an effective <laughs> way in the movie itself. Um, like even the Sacred Jedi text like has a special place in my heart because it's basically it's Yoda's theme, essentially, um, with some additional music from like, you know, Luke going to burn down the tree and stuff. Um, but I mean, I feel like the track itself isn't like super special i mean aside from the fact that it's john williams and it's yoda's theme so it's special in that regard but it just always puts a smile on my face because it makes me think of like just my reaction to not just the music but to that scene in the movie which i obviously have such an emotional connection to so um but i feel like that's what star wars music is supposed to do like there are some tracks that i love just because it's cool music but you know just being able to tie it into like those memories and emotions of those scenes in the movies is you know, I think what makes it really special. No, yeah, I totally agree. That's why hearing all those familiar themes again on the soundtrack, especially during the finale, was just yeah, so so good. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so that's it for the Twitter polls. But before we end the responses on The Last Jedi, if I can indulge myself and geek out a little bit about a response I got on my personal Twitter account regarding The Last Jedi, because I got a response from one Aaron Wills, also known as Peanut, the bass player for my favorite band, 311. He actually responded to a picture of I posted of Luke facing down Kylo Ren to share what he thought of the movie. And he goes, incredible film. Ryan Johnson did a phenomenal job on The Last Jedi. And I got to say, that made my day last night. <laughs> and seeing someone from my favorite band talk about my favorite movie and enjoy it, I was geeking out. So I just, it's, I'm still kind of geeking out about it now that my two worlds of music and movies were colliding in one cool tweet there. So I just That's had to bring awesome. that up. <laughs> Wait, and you said he like responded to something you posted? Mm-hmm. It was a picture that I posted on our uh, Saga Continues account too with this Luke facing down Kylo Ren. Oh, okay, cool. Great shot. So it, that image, it just I think it just invokes like a response from everyone who sees it where it's just so powerful. So it was just cool to get a response from him. So that was awesome. That's pretty awesome. Well, you know, piggybacking off of that, I don't know if I've ever mentioned, did I, did I ever tell you about the time that Mark Hamill liked one of my tweets? No, I don't think you did. Uh-huh. It wasn't actually Star Wars related. It was from The Flash. Um, and it was like one of the earlier seasons where he, you know, plays the trickster for like one episode. And I just uh-huh. tweeted about how much I loved, you know, watching his performance in that episode or whatever. I don't even remember what it was, but it was like he said something funny or he was like it, it was some episode where he was like singing a Christmas song but he made it all twisted about like killing somebody or something. And I tweeted about how hilarious I thought that was. And he liked it. And it was back when I was living with my parents and I just like screamed from across the house. I'm like, Hey dad. And he was like, (laughs) what? Like he thought there was an emergency or something. And I was like, Mark Hamill liked my tweet. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. I actually had him quote one of my tweets, which is awesome. But like you, it wasn't for star Wars. It was for uh, teenage mutant Ninja turtles where it was announced. He was voicing one of the villains on the show. Oh, nice. I said how awesome that's going to be, and he quoted quoted my tweet saying, "Hey, does, if anyone has any tips on how to, you know, portray a villain, because I'm new to the Turtles universe, they're welcome." And like my phone exploded with a bunch of comments and notifications. That was awesome. <laughs> that <So>. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Mark Hamill's awesome on Twitter. He is. So yeah, as always, thanks everyone for your responses to the polls and voting on them, sharing us your thoughts, even though some of the choices you (laughs) picked weren't on there. Thank you for letting us know what your response is. As always, it's fun to hear what everyone else thinks of some of the stuff when talking about new Star Wars movies. So yeah, I think think whenever we have Twitter polls and there's only four options, you know, like let us know if your option isn't on here in the comments is always like implied. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because it's really hard yeah. <laughs> to limit it down to more. It really is. Yeah. You Just know, coming we... up with a choice is like, oh, maybe I should put this one, but uh, <laughs> I really like that one. It's kind of like, is it do what I really like or do I know what others like? I should put it on there, too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a back and forth on that. Yeah, it's Star Wars. There's too much to like for us to just have four options. Yeah. And, you need... know, like if your favorite scene is Ray cutting the rock and it falling through the caretaker cart, like that's cool, too. Yeah, we need. We should have Twitter poll results or options to be based on how many Star Wars movies there are. So we got nine now. Let's have nine options. <laughs> so just increase it with every new movie we get. It would be nice if Twitter just revolved around Star Wars like that, yeah. or everything revolve around Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, it does for some of us, but not for the world at large. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway. Um. You know. Thank you guys for. Um, you know, checking in on those. We always love to, uh, you know, be able to interact with you guys and get your thoughts on stuff like that too. So, 
Um, all right, well, let's move on from The Last Jedi and talk a little bit about some of the other upcoming Star Wars stuff we've got coming up this year, namely the Han Solo movie. Um, and it was announced uh, back at the end of last year that John Williams is actually going to be returning to um, just compose a theme for Solo, a Star Wars story, um, alongside uh, John Powell, who is doing um, you know the bulk of the, the soundtrack work, but John Williams is doing... Um, just one theme for the movie. I think we can probably assume it's going to be, you know, the main theme or like Han's theme or something um, just to kind of give it that classic Star Wars feel. So that'll be exciting. Um, and like we were just talking about, like music is having new music in the soundtrack and everything is always um, one of the most exciting parts of a new Star Wars movie. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, what he comes up with for that and sort of how it blends into um, you know, whatever else John Powell is going to be writing for the movie, but uh, it should be cool to see. Or oh, yeah, here, this was, rather. Yeah. <laughs> this was uh, surprising news to me, but definitely a welcome one. I mean, like you said, we're just expecting John Williams to do the Saga film scores, but even though he's not going to do the whole score for a solo, the fact that he's going to be doing the main theme for it, I think is really cool. And just the fact that, you know, Han Solo's never really had a theme throughout the course of the movies. And since he's, he's starring, or the character is going to be starring in his own movie that's going to be all about him, it would make sense for him to finally get a theme. And who else to write it than John Williams? So I'm excited to hear what it's going to sound like. I know it'll sound amazing. I mean, John Williams hasn't lost a beat <laughs> with scoring the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi as far as creating cool new themes. You know, you think of Ray's theme and how I just mentioned before, the new theme for Episode Eight is, you know, st- still you know one that I listen to <laughs> repeatedly um, when I'm listening to the soundtrack. So, yeah, I can't wait to see what he does for Han Solo. It should be really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then also we had um, kind of some leaks for the movie um, through some Lego sets um, and some leaked images of like some Lego products that might be coming out. Um, and, you know, I don't even know if we talked about this, but there was also some leaked artwork, you know, sort of promotional art, the kind of stuff that looks like it's going to be on like the packaging for the toys and yeah. stuff. Um, that was kind of weird because I forget it was someone, I think it was actually Disney who did say, you know, oh, this isn't real art or we're not using that. And so it's kind of a back and forth. Is this like leaked? Is it real or not? But it turned out to be real because it's on those Lego boxes. (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting because um, so there's kind of some differences from what we're used to um, in, you know, some of the images on here. I mean, obviously you got Han and Chewie. Chewie is as chewy as ever, Um, although it looks like his uh, kind of bandolier thing that he wears is a little bit different or at least got some different, shape you know capsules or ammo boxes or whatever those are on there um han you know obviously looks younger new actor but looks pretty good for han solo i would say um but he's wearing you know a a sort of brownish orange jacket and not like a you know black vest or anything like we're used to but obviously like he's not going to wear the same clothes his entire life so um (laughs) that's kind of to be expected lando i was not expecting Mm-hmm. Um, he's got like a part in his hair and kind of a beard thing going on. Um, but looks kind of cool. I mean, it, it doesn't look kind of like what I was expecting as far as like a young Billy D. Williams. Um, but we know that like odd hairstyles are definitely kind of a trend in Star Wars with, you know, Padme and Leia and everything. And I'm like, you know, this looks kind of more like, you know, young Lando having adventures in space, like how he, he kind of would look. And he's got kind of a high-collared 
jacket thing going and you know definitely is not like suave cape wearing lando like we're used to um but i can definitely see this as being a cool you know kind of lando in his younger days um and then one other interesting thing to note is the millennium falcon actually looks different it's got like the the best way I can describe it is like the gap between the two kind of front prong things on the ship are like closed like it's it's all just kind of one solid shape it's got like yeah. an additional third you know sort of plank in between there um and it's still got like some of the uh the blue paint job on it like we see in that cameo in Revenge of the Sith so um yeah I don't know I I kind of like that they're maybe deviating from just sort of the classic looks of the characters and stuff maybe a little bit more than i was expecting um the falcon i don't know we'll we'll see how that turns out and how that ends up looking in the movie but at least with like han and lando and chewie i'm like oh you know i, I like kind of the the younger fresher look to these characters rather than have them like i don't know just look exactly like you know the han and lando from the movies but you know just five or ten years younger no, yeah, I totally agree, especially on Lando. I mean, Lando seems the type of character where, you know, he'd go through a few different phases of his look and style <laughs> over the course of his life. Like you said, we know the many adventures he would have. So, yeah, I think have him kind of looking different in his younger days totally makes sense. And I think it looks good. And for the Falcon, I do like, you know, that blue paint on the trims that it has. Uh, just making it look newer and it's going to be weird to see the falcon you know not be referred to as a piece of junk or <laughs> yeah <laughs> by anyone's going to be brand new and maybe we'll hear talk or hear han talk about some of the special modifications he wants to make uh, to it in the movie in which we know he eventually does by the time we get to a new hope so again this all that stuff that has me excited about this movie so and alden ehrenreich as in this picture i mean that was one of the concerns going into it as far as you know capturing you know the character font solo like Harrison Ford. And I know we haven't heard any dialogue from him or seen any footage of him, but just in this artwork, I think he's at least capturing the look of a young Han Solo would have, at least for me anyway. Mm -hmm. And as far as, you know, being 10 or 15 years younger. So I think he's pulling that off. I totally agree. Yeah. We also get our first look at Amelia Clark's character who I think in, you know, some of the packaging for the Lego figure is named Quira, if I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's like Q-I apostrophe R-A, something like that. But um, yeah, we got to look at her, which she's not going to look like Daenerys Targaryen in the Han Solo movie. It doesn't look like her hair is going to be blonde. It's, it's more darkened. But um, yeah, still don't know if she's going to be, you know, a hero character or a villain. But, you know, it looks like she's going to be a prominent character if she's on the packaging that they're using for several merchandise so mm-hmm. yeah overall i think it's a cool piece of art that gives us you know a little glimpse of the movie until we get the trailer which was cool to see oh man she could have been the mother of crate dragons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe she still could be i don't know <laughs> but um yeah i mean we really have nothing to go off of for her character so far other than just like a side profile you can't even really see what kind of outfit she's wearing mm-hmm. um but I'm definitely excited to see sort of what uh, the dynamic is going to be between this whole kind of cast of characters here. And also, obviously, we know we've got um, Woody Harrelson's um, sort of older mentor smuggler character. Um, which, actually, I recently heard that uh, Christian Bale was initially in talks for that role. Yeah. Um, and that he is, you know, he said, like, obviously it didn't work out, but he's hoping, you know, they might come back around to something later. So... 
Um, that could be interesting to see him in a Star Wars movie at some point. Um, and I really hope so because uh, I love Christian Bale as an actor just because not just because he played Batman and the best Batman trilogy ever, but <laughs> I would agree with a, you there. He's just a great actor in general when you see the other roles that he does. So to have him be a part of Star Wars, I think would be something truly awesome. So hopefully maybe for Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, he can be hey, maybe a main character in that. That would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, just something where he's not like too recognizable as Batman. Um, but hey, I think to have him as you know, a smuggler, a bounty hunter, a alien, well, just about anything, aside from maybe, like, the main hero. Um, but, yeah, I think, obviously, he can do a lot of different stuff. He's one of those actors where, like, you see him as Batman and completely forget that he's, like, British. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so he can he can change his voice, play a bunch of different roles, do all kinds of stuff. So um, I think that could be really cool to see. Yeah, if you can play Batman and then Dick Cheney, you I mean your range is really good. <laughs> Wait, did he play Dick Cheney? He's going to in an upcoming movie. And he, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, the like... transformation just physically to go to that part is just awesome. Just you know how dedicated he is to his roles. That's why he's one of my favorite actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Um. All right. Well, you know, just a couple small updates on the solo movie there, um, and then as we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, you know, the talk about the other upcoming, um, you know, as yet unannounced, uh, spinoff movie for 2020, um, there's just been a whole fresh wave of rumors again about Ewan McGregor coming back as Obi-Wan. Um, he just won a Golden Globe recently. And of course, you know, backstage, everybody's asking him about Star Wars and have you seen The Last Jedi and what's the word on an Obi-Wan movie and are you coming back and as always he says you know I'd love to come back and do it I would do it if they asked me to but it's just a lot of talk right now and I know just as much as you guys do um the one thing that you know maybe at least kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit this time more than other times we've heard him talk about this is obviously, you know, actors change their looks over the years for different roles and stuff. And, you know, you still obviously can recognize you and McGregor as Obi-Wan, but you know, he doesn't always look exactly like Obi-Wan, but he grew back the Obi-Wan beard and his hair right now is like kind of just the right length that I'm like, he could be secretly filming an Obi-Wan movie and not telling us about it. Um, I mean, I don't think they're secretly filming anything right now, but he could definitely be like getting ready for it and they just aren't ready to pull the trigger and like make the casting announcement. You never know. Um, but I just hope we get some, some kind of confirmation sooner than later. Um, cause you know, they're going to make this happen. Like even if they don't have a good story for it, which I really hope they do just, I mean, they're Disney. They want to make money. And all you got to do is go on any Star Wars fan site or, you know, forum or even just, you know, look up, you know, Obi-Wan movie on Twitter or Facebook and you'll see like how many people want to see that happen. And, you know, they will pay good money to go see it. So, um, you know, I would be shocked if we don't get the opportunity to see him return to uh, the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi at some point. And, you know, I've kind of come around on that, like, at first, I wasn't all that excited about it because I was like, well, he just like kind of sat in the desert for 20 years protecting Luke. Like, what's there to tell? Um, but now I'm like, first of all, I freaking love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Um, and like I was kind of saying, even just like my 
sort of recent feeling of nostalgia for like Revenge of the Sith and the prequels and stuff. I'm like, if we get to see that version of Obi-Wan again, I would have no complaints about that. Um, and I'm sure there are interesting stories they could tell. So just because I, you know, don't really know what that story would be at this point, like as long as they can come up with something interesting and they have him back as Obi-Wan, I'd be totally on board for that. Oh man, I've been wanting an Obi-Wan movie since they first announced standalone Star Wars movies. And the fact that, you know, it's still getting talked about and we know what's happening sooner or later. It just got to, I, you know, I just maintain the feeling and thought that it's got to be with Ewan McGregor. If it's not, don't bother doing it. Cause I don't see how mm-hmm. it's going to work without Ewan McGregor. But at the same time with those, you know, that interview he gave in his new look that he's sporting right now being very similar to his look in Obi-Wan to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. You know, I'm not the type of person who, you know, puts too much when an, excitement when like an actor is looking similar or like he could be preparing for something that we wanted to but it's hard not to feel that way when <laughs> he's looking pretty much exactly mm-hmm. how he did as obi-wan right now and there's even like a shot of i don't know if it was a video or just a photo but of him like doing a workout training session and he's had that obi-wan haircut the obi-wan beard which is you know he just can't the fan and you just cannot help but think that so who knows if it's true as far as like having it right right now but i still think this is the next movie on Lucasfilm and Disney's docket after episode nine. It's going to be the next uh, Star Wars story film. I really believe that. And the next big announcement we get, I really think it's going to be, you know, the confirmation of all this stuff with Obi-Wan. I just hope it's uh, (laughs) confirming in the press release once we get it that Ewan McGregor is involved because he's still playing coy. If there are talks happening right now, he's saying, I I just know as much as you guys. The stuff he's been saying since, you know, 2012 when (laughs) everyone Mm -hmm. kept asking about him. So... He hasn't changed his tune, but I, I don't expect him to, even if negotiations are going on right now, or if, even if it is a done deal, but they told him not to announce it. He's not going to, you know, let that slip and he's going to, you know, keep saying what he's been saying all these years. So it's, you know, one way or another doesn't, you know, lead me to think any more so that the movie's going to happen, because I think it's going to happen anyway, just a matter of when we're going to get that announcement. So hopefully it's soon and, you know, hopefully it's the next big announcement we get from Lucasfilm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, don't forget, like, a bunch of, like, reputable Hollywood news sources already reported this, like, months ago. Yeah. And we just never got any sort of official confirmation, but it wasn't, like, you know, just the Star Wars rumor sites that were like, oh, Obi-Wan is happening. No, it was, like, Variety and Hollywood Reporter that were like, no, they're making an Obi-Wan movie. Um, So, I mean, again, you kind of have to still take that with a grain of salt because it wasn't officially confirmed by Lucasfilm, and things can change and whatnot, but I'm like between that and the fan interest in it and the fact that it, you know, just makes sense, you know, for them to be able to do something like that. Um, the fact that, you know, you and McGregor said he'd be up for it. Um, it's like, you can't take any of that as confirmation, but all of it adds up to looking pretty likely. Um, you know, C-3PO would tell you the odds are very good on that one. So, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see when we, finally get official confirmation of that but again i would imagine that's probably something that we'll get at some point this year and uh you know i would be very excited when that comes along yeah at this point i'll be more shocked and surprised if we get an announcement about something else other than the obi-wan movie that's how you know confident i'm feeling about that that is the next one on the list yeah let's hope so um all right well that's just about it for the movies for you know the upcoming um 
you know, standalone films and whatnot. Obviously, with episode eight still in theaters, it's going to be a while before we've got any official news on episode nine. Um, but we do have some info about um, Star Wars Rebels and uh, what we can expect when that returns. Um, now, before we start talking about this, I will say this could be a little spoilery. Um, yes. So potential <laughs> spoiler warning. Um for those of you who don't want to know what to expect for uh, the first couple episodes of Star Wars Rebels when that comes back. Um, but we've got air dates for the first couple episodes. Um, so it looks like the show's going to be returning on Saturday, February 24th with an episode called Jedi Knight. And the description for that is the ghost crew infiltrates the Imperial headquarters on Lothal to save one of their own. And if you remember um, how it sort of ended and left off uh, with the last episode kind of going into the break, it was, um, you know, Hera and uh, some of the other rebel pilots who had crash landed after that space battle being basically rounded up and captured by the Empire. And, uh, you know, Kanan, I think it was like Kanan and Ezra and the rest of the ghost crew were trying to get out of the city. And then Kanan senses that Hera's in danger and he turns around to go back in and save her. Um and of course, you got the whole thing with uh, the Loth Wolf, you know, that keeps saying doom, and it, it kind of had this impending sense of like Kanan going to face his destiny, and um, you know, wondering sort of where this was all going to lead. Um, so that's the description for the first episode, and then the second episode uh, that's going to air Saturday, March third, is called Doom, uh, spelled D-U-M-E, which is Kanan's uh, last name. Um, and it says, uh, the description here, again, this is the kind of spoilery part. It says, reeling from a devastating loss, the ghost crew rallies together to find a new purpose and resolve. Um, mm, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, make of that what you will. Um, we know that devastating loss isn't going to be Hera because she's still around in Rogue One. Um, we know it ain't Chopper. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, First off, I don't think that'd be so devastating, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we survived, but, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like, is this the end of Kanan already? Like, are they going to kill him off just like, you know, one or two episodes into the end of the season here? I mean, we, I know we've only got maybe what, like five or six episodes left. Um, yeah. Or maybe, no, I think it's seven. Cause I think this, this season's supposed to be like 16 episodes. Yeah, at the most 16. I, yeah. I think you're right, though. I think it's. I want to say 16, and we've had nine so far. So, I mean, I just kind of assumed that if any of the main characters were going out, it was going to be, you know, within like either the finale or like the last two or three episodes or something. Um, so that would be interesting for that to happen sort of this early on, um, unless there's going to be some kind of storyline with the Loth Wolves and Kanan, like maybe goes off into the force and sees Ahsoka again. And that that would be cool. (laughs) I mean, who knows where all that's going to go, but um, yeah, I I have a hard time thinking that that devastating loss is going to be anyone other than Kanan, unless it's something where, well, kind of like the end of uh, season two, where, you know, they lose Ahsoka, but you don't really see what happens. Like they all walk away from that, assuming she's dead. Um, but we as the audience don't really get any sort of official confirmation on what happens. Um, it's like maybe that's maybe it's going to be some similar situation where Kanan is just sort of trapped and overwhelmed and 
you know, buys time for the rest of the ghost crew to escape and they all just leave and think he's dead. And then we as the audience find out what actually happens to him later. Um, but either way, I mean, I don't think this is going to be a loss of, you know, Ezra or Sabine or Zeb. Um, it seems like, you know, Kanan's uh, storyline might be kind of coming to a head here. So, um, I don't know. It's too bad that we got to wait that long to find out. Like usually Rebels is coming back sometime, you know, January or like early February or something, but we're gonna have to wait till the end of February to find out. Um, but I'm sure that'll be here before we know it. Um, that's only like a month and a half away from now. So hopefully it doesn't take too long to get here. Yeah. So yeah, it's very interesting. First off, I should say, you know, this isn't, you know, Lucasfilm hasn't officially announced the recurrent date in the episode titles. This is coming from Jedi uh, by little thick, if I'm saying that right, but they've, you know, been very consistent in getting out the episode titles and air dates way early before Lucasfilm reveals them. So I think it's pretty safe that, that this is accurate, but man, I was still surprised that, like I said, it looks like, you know, the inevitable of losing Kanan in the series is going to happen right <laughs> within the first episode that the season comes back on Jedi Knight because the second episode, Doom, you know, is saying the crew is reeling from a devastating loss. So it looks like that loss will happen in Jedi Knight. And at first, like I said, I was surprised that they would, let's just assume they are killing off Kanan and that it would happen this early, even though there's more episodes left in the season as we're winding down. But the fact that it's not the final episode that he would be killed off is surprising to me because I thought that's when they would save it. But at the same time, when I'm thinking about it more, I think it could also be something that's, you know, makes the rest of the season even better just for seeing what the ghost crew reacts to that. And Ezra in particular, having the rest of the episodes of the series be about Ezra and how he reacts to Kanan's death and just, you know, what his destiny lies ahead. Because that's the big question mark for me as the series is ending. Because we kind of all assumed Kanan would die by the time the series is over. We knew that Hera survives, Chopper survives. I probably... we. I know I assume, I'm sure you have other people too, that Sabine would probably go back to Mandalore. We didn't know mm -hmm. about Zeb, but Ezra was the big question mark. You know, how are they going to resolve him having Jedi training, but by the time we get to A New Hope and Yoda referring, or in Return of the Jedi, actually, Yoda referring to Luke as the last Jedi, even as far as back in episode six, not episode eight, but, <laughs> you know, Yoda realizing Luke is the only one and Ezra is not in that equation as far as being a Jedi because we know Yoda is aware of Ezra. He talked to him. So what is going to happen to Ezra? And I think having Kanan be killed off this early on and maybe that having an effect on what happens. Well, I shouldn't say maybe. I think it's definitely going to have effect on how Ezra progresses by the time we get to the end of the series. And that's what I can't wait to see is how he deals with it, what it means for the character moving forward and his eventual fate by the time the series is over. So... That's why I think it's probably going to be cool and a good idea from Dave Filoni to have the death of Kanan or the loss of Kanan be, you know, pretty early on than expected. And once we get to the start of the second half and I like what you were saying about, you know, the possibility of him, you know, going through a force vision or force realm, so to speak, and meeting Ahsoka because, you know, Dave Filoni did said we'd get resolve on Ahsoka too. So if that could be connected to that and the low flows, that could be amazing. But I just hope, you know, whatever they decide with Kanan, it's something definitive because I, I, would, I wouldn't like it if they did the whole thing with Ahsoka again where they kind of, you know, left it open-ended. Dave Filoni wouldn't say one way or another for a while if she lived or died. 
I just hope with Kanan they don't make it so ambiguous and, you know, he has a proper end to his story, which I think the character deserves. And I think they will do that since this whole series has resolved around Kanan. He's been one of the main characters and probably one of the more popular characters out of the whole show. So I think he'll he'll get a definitive ending that will serve him well as far as, you know, being satisfying uh, for his conclusions. Just, you know, if, he, if it is a way that he's killed off, just, you know, how is it going to happen? <laughs> we were kind of talking about this before we recorded where, you know, what's going to be a death that would fit Kanan in this scenario? I'm kind of thinking the way, it, like you were telling, I hope this doesn't go down by shooting stormtroopers, especially the stormtroopers on Rebels, because we know how incompetent they are. <laughs> That's very true. Maybe if it's death troopers now, that would be a, you know, a worthy death of a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably going to be something involved around Thrawn. I mean, I don't think Vader is coming back unless they surprise us in the new trailer that will eventually come that Vader has an appearance and that that would be amazing. But I think it's going to be something mainly on Thrawn's doing. And I just picture it being he's going to save Hera and maybe there's, you know, a bomb or explosive that, you know, is going to destroy him and Hera. But he stays behind for one reason or another. And, you know, he makes the ultimate sacrifice so Hera can survive. And, you know, he dies in an explosion or something like that. That seems, I don't know, pretty basic, but I can see them going that route. But I hope it's a little more than that. Either way, I just think Kanan's going to do it, go out in a way that where he's sacrificing himself. He's not going to be, you know, trying to escape and he gets shot from behind or something like that. He's going to make a sacrifice, which I think would be the fitting end for the character. So mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see, but it's going to be coming sooner than later than at least I was expecting. So going to be interesting and again just makes me more excited for the season to get here like you said it seems far away right now but thankfully we got a star wars movie in theater still that we can help pass the time that (laughs) is very true we can still watch star wars we can play star wars um yeah man i watch more star wars (laughs) yeah um but man i'm still having a blast with battlefront 2 right now too um and that should be you know there should be some fun and exciting stuff coming up there i know they're uh just about ready to wrap up <clears throat> on the um the last jedi season that's going on right now and then uh hopefully we'll be finding out really soon what the next one's gonna be um we actually did get kind of an unofficial like official unofficial confirmation with some clone wars teases for that um where one of the guys who's like a uh, design director on Battlefront 2 like changed his Twitter profile or his his like cover picture on his Twitter profile to Anakin and the clones uh, like marching on the Jedi Temple. And then somebody asked him, um, you know, can you give us like a little tease of what season two is going to be? And he said, like, I already did. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know if that means like we're getting Anakin and a Coruscant map or if that was just sort of more generally saying it's going to be something from Clone Wars or from Revenge of the Sith. But, um, you know, should be definitely cool to uh, get more of that stuff when that comes out. Um, and then, of course, you know, with Rebels, um, you know, just can't wait to see how they're going to wrap up all those storylines and uh, finish up the rest of that season. So, um, yeah. And then on top of that, getting to watch and discuss the last Jedi more and Han Solo coming out and everything. It should be another great year for star Wars. Yeah, it's going to um, be a jam packed early portion of the year. Like you said, with rebels and then promotion for solo happening too, during that time, like we said, hopefully we're getting a trailer soon in the midst of rebels and all that. So it's going to be a jam packed first half of 2018 for star Wars. Yeah, definitely. I'm interested to see sort of what the end of the year ends up being like, cause it's going to yeah. kind of feel empty, not having a December release. Although, 
gosh, I don't know why they're not just releasing solo in December. Um, actually, I just heard today, um, I think, actually, let me check this real quick. Um, Another big news is that Deadpool got pushed up a few weeks, which I don't think it's the week of Han Solo, but like a week before it comes out. Well, right. But also, actually, I was just checking, um, you know, our friend Caleb Klingen just had texted me this earlier today. Um, this is a report from uh, comicbookmovie.com, and they said with four months to go until Solo, a Star Wars story is released, more reshoots are reportedly scheduled. Um, I forgot about that until just now. We could have mentioned that earlier. That's um, true, too. Well, I know I heard that, too, but I know the, a lot of people were making the point of saying it's like pickup shots and not necessarily full-blown reshoots. So right. something that's not going to be so substantial, kind of like the Rogue One stuff was. Right, which kind of makes sense, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe I'm just spoiled with the fact that, like, with The Last Jedi, they finished the entire movie, like, yeah. back in <laughs> September or October, but I'm like, I mean, and I can understand, like, I'm not worried that it's going to be reshoots on the scale of Rogue One or anything like that, but still, it's like, why did you guys not just give yourselves more time and put it out in December? I'm really hoping that's not going to, like, negatively affect the quality of the finished movie, um, but regardless... Um, you know, hopefully we'll get a great movie when it comes out in May and then, you know, we'll just find some way to pass the time, you know, when we normally be waiting for a new movie to come out in December. Heck, at least, you know, we'll all be like watching Solo on Blu-ray by then. Yeah. Wow. Good. I didn't even realize the fact that we're going to be getting two Star Wars movies coming out on Blu-ray this year. Yeah. <laughs> just more. That's kind of weird. As General Grievous says, more to add to my collection. <laughs> <laughs> These will make fine additions to my collection. Exactly. Yep. No, just real quick, going back to talking about, you know, I mentioned the uh, new release date for Deadpool 2 and how that might affect on Solo. Because uh, I've seen, you know, sites saying, does this mean Solo is going to move to a December release? But I don't know. I I think there's other, Disney probably has, I don't remember what, but they have other movies probably slated and for a December release already this year, and not to mention the merchandising that I'm sure they all have all scheduled and ready to go for the May release. So I'm thinking it's pretty late to push it back now. I mm -hmm. mean, anything's possible because, you know, with that whole Fox reshuffle, the new Mutants movie that was supposed to come out this April, just, you know, three months away, has been pushed back to 2019. So Oh, really? Anything, I didn't hear about yeah. that. Anything's possible, but I don't know. Right now I'm just thinking... It's, might be a little too late for that May date to be switched as far as, you know, what Disney has planned as far as other movies coming out in December and their merchandising stuff. So, um, again, uh, we'll have to wait and see, but it does still feel a little weird <laughs> that we're getting a star, another Star Wars movie this close after The Last Jedi. And I kept saying how excited I was for that. And I'm feeling that excitement right now, how we're in 2018 and we're close to another Star Wars movie already. And I don't want to lose that excitement. I'm enjoying it. It was so far, it's shaping up to what I was expecting it to be as far as moving right into the next phase of a Star Wars movie. It's been cool so far, even though we the full you know marketing and promotion for Solo hasn't really begun. But it's so close, like you can feel it, that I don't want it to be ruined by having to get pushed back again. Because that exciting feeling is here already i want it to sustain to when we get to the release in may so here's yeah. hoping everything stays the same regardless of pickup shoots and new movie release dates for competitors so yeah well no at this point i think you're probably okay because like you said i think it is really late in the game for them to be changing the release date at this point especially because i'm sure they are starting to make plans for 
you know, marketing and toy releases and all that kind of stuff. Um, speaking of which, when are we going to have Force Friday this year? Is that going to be in like... That's a good question too, yeah. You know, February or March, because it's definitely not going to be like, you know, first weekend of September like we've been used to. Yeah, I, um, I would imagine April or March maybe the earliest. But. Yeah, I, well, because the movie comes out in May, like normally Force Friday is in September and you know, you got like September or October, November, December. So almost like three and a half, four months yeah. of merchandising before the movie comes out. So April would be really late because I mean, the movie yeah, comes out back, in May. That's going um, back to the prequel days of when they did the toy releases, which I always love. You know, it made it, you know, really made you feel that the release of a new Star Wars movie was so close when she got those toys and books and merchandise release. Unlike with Force Friday now where, you know, you still got a few months to go on another trailer to see before you actually get to the movie. So mm-hmm. I always liked it when the big merchandising blitz was more closer to the actual film release. So that would be cool if it does be in April again. Yeah, we'll see when they end up putting that out. Um, but I think it is safe to say we'll probably get a trailer before then, um, especially even like Ron Howard was teasing on Twitter uh, recently that, um, you know, the release of a, a trailer was going to be coming pretty soon now that we're in, you know, 2018. Um, and the movie's going to be released, you know, first half of this year. So um, I'm thinking, I mean, we could get a trailer sometime in January, but at the very latest, I think we're going to get a trailer during the Super Bowl. Um, and then, you know, that'll probably be in theaters playing ahead of uh, Black Panther, which comes out next month. So um, at least for me, as of right now, like I'm still not like I'm excited for for the solo movie, but I'm not sort of on board that hype train yet i'm still kind of like my brain is still in last jedi mode um but i think once they announce um you know when we're going to be seeing that trailer and once we kind of get our first official glimpse of the movie through footage and stuff um i think then i'll start getting really excited for it too like you were talking about so um but all that should be just around the corner so that's going to be pretty exciting yeah, definitely. I mean, it never stops <laughs> with the Star Wars excitement. That's what I love about this new era. Yeah, it keeps absolutely. on going and going and going. Yep, and there is nothing wrong with that. No way. Um, all right. Well, surprisingly, you know, I think we're uh, still kind of recharging our batteries after that six-hour marathon last time. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, we're pretty much done for now. Um, but oh, obviously, break that record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll ever break that one. We'll see about episode nine, but even then, <laughs> it's going to be hard to top that. I I doubt it. Like, I don't know. We, I mean, we always could if we wanted to, like, just go for a Guinness World Record or something and just <laughs> blab on for 10 hours about Star Wars and just find stuff to talk about. But, um, man, yeah, that last one was something special. But there was, like, so much stuff to break down in The Last Jedi, like, I don't know. Like episode yeah. nine, I'm sure I'm sure is going to be awesome too. But like our our reviews for Rogue One and for The Force Awakens were like half that length. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there was something about the Last Jedi in particular that was just like, man, we had you know just so much to discuss with that. And like we said at the end of that episode, there's probably more we could have talked about it, and we proved that true on this episode too. Yeah. <laughs> we had another good discussion about the movie what stuff we picked up on. So yeah, the last Jedi just is the movie that keeps on giving and giving when it comes to discussions about it, that we can just talk about endlessly, which is cool. Yeah, definitely. And I I mean, it's one of those movies that just the more you watch it, you know, your opinion might change or you might pick up on new things or, 
kind of have changing perspectives on it. So there's always going to be something new to discuss with that one. Yep. Um, so anyway, I think we'll just about get ready to wrap up uh, for now until, you know, our opinions change some more and we have another new episode. Um, but again, like <laughs> I said, if we come back and record in another couple weeks, we could be, uh, you know, right on the cusp of a solo trailer or something like that. So um, can't wait to get the ball rolling and see what 2018 has in store for us Star Wars fans. I think it's going to be another fun year. Um, before we wrap up here, um, Tim, you want to tell us about, uh, the new stuff we've got going on over at the Thunderquack network? Um, yeah. So, uh, first off, as always give a quick thanks to our supporters on Patreon at Thunderquack, uh, with all the podcasts that we got going on our networks, including ours. We always appreciate the support you give us on Patreon and you can always, if you haven't yet, help support us by going to, you know, thunderquack.com slash Patreon to, help support our show and all the other podcasts that we have in our network that we can keep bringing these episodes to you guys, which is always much appreciated. But uh, we wanted to just promote a little bit of a new merchandise item we've got going on, but this got revealed today as far as a t-shirt, which is inspired by one of the, you know, a line that was said a lot in the last Jedi where it is, we are the spark. And this is kind of the slogan, which is going to be for our Thunderquack podcast network for the year. You know, going towards the community, you know, giving thanks to our fans, you know, the spark that's, you know, we want to be the network that sparks a great community of, you know, not just the podcasts and the host, but with our listeners and the community that we have already got going, which has been great uh, to all the listeners through our show, you know, Rebels podcast, Quiver, the Green Arrow podcast, and all the other shows we got on the network and the listeners that help support is much appreciated. So uh, the first kickoff we got, is for that new shirt, We Are the Spark, which is, you can check it out. I sent a tweet out about it uh, earlier today where you can check out an image where, you know, it's in the Star Wars font with some stars in the background. It's a pretty cool design, which, you know, for a line that, I like I said, was said a lot, and I think is one of the more iconic lines in the movie, it makes for a pretty cool t-shirt. So you can check that out and uh, pick up a shirt if you want to help support us through that way as well. So. Uh, you can go ahead and check that out at redbubble.com slash people slash thunderquack. So to check out the search, which, you know, we can get different sizes and colors and all that cool stuff. So make sure to check that out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love that design. I love that quote. Um, and just the fact that that's going to kind of be our motto for this year as a whole podcast network, I think is really cool. Um, especially because, you know, we've got non-Star Wars podcasts on the network too. So for us to be, you know, one of the Star Wars ones on there, I'm like, hey, yeah, that's even more applicable for us. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, those shirts are up there. They're uh, 1950 um, for the T-shirts. And I think, like I said, it's a you know cool design. You can pick your color. You know, it's got the uh, the logo on there and the Star Wars font and everything. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what this year is going to bring for us, too, and just sort of as a community and with you guys, our listeners, and, you know, for us as a podcast network, I think, uh, you know, we should have some exciting stuff coming up for that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, having a star Wars quote as your motto is always a good way to start off the year. So, um, you know, that should be a pretty exciting way to, uh, get things going. Um, but I think that is just about going to wrap it up for us. Um, Tim, do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap up here or any other, you know, emails or listener responses or anything like that? Nope. I think that's should about do it with the responses we had for our Twitter polls on uh, The Last Jedi. So we got that covered. That should wrap up the episode. 
All right, cool. Well, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we will see you, uh, you know, again, whenever we've got uh, some new stuff to talk about. I think we also are going to, you know, try again. We've talked about this in the past, but we're going to try to be a little bit more consistent with our content this year. Um, and, you know, be trying to come up with uh, episodes like every couple weeks. Um, so we'll see how that goes. You know, as always, it kind of depends on, you know, what news is going on and what we've got to talk about, but, um, definitely looking forward to talking more Star Wars with you guys here in the new year. Um, as always, you can check us out online at, uh, facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can send us emails at, uh, Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com to uh, find all of our episodes um, as well as all of the news stories and stuff that we're talking about and you can check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts on the thunderquack podcast network Um, so that's going to do it for us thanks again for listening we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody